a new year. I'm so expecting God to do amazing things this next year. And as we started off the new year, we started off in the same text that we've been in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. And so you can make your way over there. And, and God being who he is, um, in his all-knowingness, um, he knew where we would be at in this text, in the text. And he would use the text that we are in to come alongside the vision that the Lord has given me for this year. Um, as I shared last week, if you were here last week, I started off sharing with you about the vision for this next year that the Lord's given us as a church. And if you weren't here, you can go online and listen to the message. But it's interesting how God can, can just use the text that we are, have been in for this vision of, of going deeper. And, that, and that's my heart this year, to go deep. Me as a person, as, as a Christian, as a pastor, I want to go deeper. My heart and my prayer for you is that you're, you desire to do the same for you personally that you personally would desire, I, Lord, I want to get closer to you, closer than I've ever been, you know? And it's interesting because even in sharing that, I was talking to somebody on Wednesday night who wasn't here on, on Sunday morning. I was kind of sharing with them kind of the vision about going deeper. And, and after, we, you know, I kind of took a little break from talking. He was waiting for, to jump in. Um, he said, man, interesting that you say that because that's, that's my prayer, man, to go deeper this year. And again, I, to me, it just spoke to me about that God is confirming because so many of you that I've been talking to have that same heart, that same desire that this year would be different than all the other years that you may have been walking with the Lord. That, that this year you, you have that same desire of going deeper. No more being the same old, same old, you know, but that your desire is to go deeper. And so it just kind of goes along with what God has been just speaking here. And I told you last week that this week's message would talk about growth and what growth would look like in an effort to go deeper. With Jesus being the example and setting the example for us, that, that if, if we follow him, in the examples that he has set before us, we will go deeper because he wants to take us deeper. That's his heart. That's his desire. What, what growth looks like in this text that we're going to cover this morning, it looks unfair. And it is. It is unfair. And you'll see as we read through that that it's like, wait a minute. You want me to do what, Lord? Because it does sound unfair. And to quote Sweet Wesley from The Princess Bride, when Princess Buttercup, they're having their dialogue before she pushes them over, she says, you mock my pain. And he says, life is pain, Highness. Anyone saying differently is selling something. And that is true. Life is pain. Life is unfair. We don't all get a fair shot. And things happen in our lives. And I'm not here to mock pain or to mock unfairness. But if we are going to go deeper in the Lord, then we need to understand. And we need to put in perspective 
that this life is harsh, that this life is unfair. You see, when we put things in perspective like that, then we have a better understanding of how to deal with life. Because if or when you follow the example of Jesus in how he extended grace and how he is going to ask us to extend that same kind of grace, when things get hard and life gets unfair or is unfair or unbearable, we will find ourselves in a different place because we're following his example. Because we all love grace. And he's going to tell us through this portion here that we need to extend that grace. And when we have that different perspective of like, oh, I received so much grace. This is how I'm supposed to give it out. I'm not saying that things will all of a sudden get better and life is fair. But what I am saying is that it won't be as overwhelming because we know and we understand that things like this will happen in our lives. We don't get shocked because life is unfair. I I, I do trip out in the fact that people still think, after walking with the Lord for so long, that life has to be fair. And it is not. I don't know what, what you're reading or not reading, but life is unfair. Get used to disappointment. we end up finding ourselves in a different place. Because when we understand grace and how we receive grace and how He wants us to give it out, but when we understand grace, we find ourselves in a different place in that when life does get hard, we press into Jesus instead of running away from Him. We we, we end up drawing closer to Him because we know that when life gets overwhelming, we press in and not run. That's when we see growth in our life. When we're pressing in, when we're we're realizing that He will see us through the hard situations in our life. That's when we begin to grow because we're not running away. Because when we run away, we see no growth whatsoever. And I want us to go deeper. Into deeper waters, not only as individuals, but as a church. I want to go deeper, deeper to where we can't see the shore. Because oftentimes, when we can see the shore, we have options. <laughs> and I want to go so deep that we can't. We can't see the shore anymore. And there is no other options but to trust Him that He will get us to our destination, to understand that God is in the boat with us, that Jesus has not left us. He will meet us right where we are at. There are three aspects in chapter 2 of First Peter, three aspects of submission that Peter wanted his readers to understand because of the culture of the day that they were in, because of how they were living they, they, they needed to submit to these requests in order to be different than what everybody else was doing in that day and age. And so he's asking them or telling them that they needed to, to submit in three different aspects. And we saw last week and we're seeing this week and we'll see in the next couple of weeks actually about submitting. 
But quite frankly, even though he's talking to them about submitting, quite frankly, today we need to submit in those same areas because people are taking note. They are watching you as a Christian to see how you conduct yourselves. Last week we saw that that we were to submit to authorities. That submitting to authorities was, was necessary. Being good citizens. Following the rule of law. Doing what is good, decent, and right. And this morning, Peter is talking to slaves. And how they were to be submissive to their masters. Which again would set them apart from what everybody else was doing. All the other slaves that were not submitting or grumbling against their masters. He is asking them, you need to submit to your masters. And I know that some might be thinking, how would that ever apply even today? We, we don't live in a, a society of masters and slaves. Well, as, as we go on, hopefully you get the gist of what he's talking about. And I can, I guess, bring some application even to our own culture today. And how this kind of submission can cause us to go deeper and cause growth in our lives. And so First Peter chapter 2, we'll read it in total. Beginning in verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which you, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. 
Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not having or not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be in subjection to your own masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, for this is commendable. If because for conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your fault, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And that is a lot that is in this chapter here. There's so much when you take it in light of God wants you to take this verbatim. He wants you to take it literally and live that, that, that whole chapter to do what it says. Because if you do that, he will take you deeper. And if you're already going deeper, he wants to take you deeper still. He wants to do that in your life. If we take these things that are here, because what we have already learned from Peter is that in the first chapter and and, and some of the second chapter, he is telling us what he has done, what God has already done on our behalf. And when we get to chapter uh, 2 verse 11 he takes a turn and he begins to give us the practical aspects of what we need to be doing he begins to beg them and say brethren be as sojourners and and pilgrims and don't get caught up in this world do the things of god do those things and guys here's the challenge this is what he's calling us to do to do what he says not just hear it not just memorize it but to do it guys Where will you be in a year from now? If you begin in your life today just to do the simple, practical things that is being asked of us to do. Oh, I know they're difficult. Don't get me wrong. But he's asking us to do them. And so he gets to verse 18. So verses 18 to 20 there. He says, servants, be submissive to your your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, you endure grief, suffer wrongfully. 
You who are household slaves, he is saying. This word slave that we're using here, that we're looking at, is not the same word that we normally look at and, and quote in the Greek as doulos, which is a bondservant. This is just a slave. The word bondservant speaks of one who willfully serves. One who, 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 who is, his time is up and says, I want to continue to serve you. And so they would put an earring in his ear and, and they knew he willfully serves. No, this is talking about just your ordinary run-of-the-mill house slave. This house slave is more of a, of a common slave. One who is less important. He is one of many. He would be a slave to like the head slave, who was probably a bondservant. He's reached that rank, you know. This guy is under him and does what he tells him to do. As we look at that, you, you almost make the correlation because some of you guys feel like where you, where you work, you know, it's like, man, I am one of many. I'm just one of the, the other people. I'm just a number. But more than likely, here in the church at that time, there were many of these kinds of slaves that were just ordinary slaves who had gotten saved and so they were free in Christ, but they still had to be slaves to their masters. Oh, some of them had believing masters and I'm sure those, hopefully, they were nice and kind and gentle, but a lot of them didn't have believing masters. And I'm sure some of the unbelievers were kind and gentle, but a lot of them were harsh. They didn't care about them. And they were to be submissive to them. They were to be subordinate under them, to, to, to be under obedience, to, to be put under authority to their masters. That's what they were supposed to do. He was to obey all who were over him. Again, he was the lowest of the low. Everybody told him what to do. <laughs> Again, you could correlate this to, to thinking, oh, okay, I'm not a slave, but I feel like a slave at my job. Because, because again, I answer to everybody else. I am the last man on the totem pole. And you feel like a regular slave. And so that's where the application can come in here. I know that we don't have slaves and masters, although some of your, your, your bosses might be want you to call them master. (laughs) But that's where we see the correlation that he is asking us that us as Christians in the workplace be submissive. Be submissive to your masters with all fear. To the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Again, he says, you are to be submissive with all fear. In other words, be afraid for your life. Again, some of you guys are afraid for your job. But back then, these house slaves, these common slaves, were just property. They just looked at them as property, property and, and, and no one really cared if they lived or died. I'm, I'm sure the masters, they understood the investment that they had in them. But you know what? There were so many others that they can buy for cheap. That they, 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 they would be at the ready to jump in and do this guy's bidding. 
Peter is telling them, be submissive, not only to the good and gentle, which is not hard to do, huh? (laughs) But also to the harsh, which is hard to do. Now, I know that it is not hard to submit to someone who is nice all the time. But whether it's at, at work or at home, you know, when somebody is being nice and, and kind, it's like it's a lot, a lot easier to, to do what they tell you to do. As a matter of fact, sometimes when they're so nice and so kind, you almost want to take advantage of them. You know, it's like they're suckers, you know, which you shouldn't do. <laughs> you shouldn't take advantage of the nice and the kind that are in your life. You should be submissive if that's where you're supposed to be. But he's saying, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. It's like, say it ain't so, Joe. (laughs) Or Pete here. (laughs) Say it ain't so, Pete. What are you asking of me? You want me to be nice? You want me to submit to someone who is being overbearing? You want me to be kind and gentle to the guy who's not being kind and gentle to me? He is being so harsh to me. It is so. It is so. This this is what is going to set us apart from the rest of the people. That we would submit to those who are harsh. Again, when you're you're talking about your job, you're going, well, wait a minute, I'm not going to put up with it. And you have the opportunity to quit. You see, back here, they didn't have that opportunity to just quit. They were slaves. They could be put to death if they just like say, no way, Jose, ain't going to do it. It's like, you said what? <laughs> you see, this is what sets, sets us apart. When we begin to understand that we are to show them kindness, when we begin to understand the grace that has been given to us, we are supposed to now give to other people. That is what sets us apart because we have a different behavior, a different mindset, a different attitude, a different perspective on what it means to submit. Not because we're being made to submit. We're doing it for the Lord's sake. That's what we read earlier, that we should do all these things for the Lord's sake. That's why we are submitting. It is the right thing to do as the Christian. To submit to those who are harsh. Jesus being the example for us. Of what it means to submit to those who are harsh. He set that example. As we read earlier from verses 21 to 25. He set that example of what it means to submit. And not do anything about it. Again, this is where some people are like, no, man. You can't, you can't be asking that. It's like, no, he is. The word harsh here in the Greek is skolios. It literally means curved, bent, not straight. It, it, it's where we get that medical term scoliosis for a curved spine. The, the Amplified also gives us meanings like overbearing, 
unjust, crooked. They're, they're, they're bent in a way that you can't fix them. Now again, this is where people would draw the line and say, how could God be asking me to submit to something like this? How, how, why would God ask me to submit to someone and He knows who I am? Come on. He knows I have a tendency to fly off the handle. <laughs> but I say to you, this is exactly why He's asking us because you call yourself a Christian. You see, He's not asking the non-Christian to do this. He's asking those who have the Spirit of God in them. Whom he has given a new nature. That's who he's asking to do this. You're the perfect one to ask if you call yourself a Christian. A Christian is one who is Christ like. That, that's, that's literally what that means. You are to act like Christ around the harsh, those who, who are bent in a certain way that you cannot fix, and they will always be bent in that direction. And again, you have the opportunity to quit. But I find it interesting, and I know when I talk to kids, it's like, well, I would never work for somebody like that. It's, it's, it's a different story when you have like responsibilities in your life, right? And you can't just like quit because you need a job. All of a sudden, it's like, I can work with that. And it is frustrating because some of us and, and some of you have had to be in that position where you're going, God, you cannot be serious about this. That I have to, I have to show him compassion. I have to continue to submit to someone like that. Again, God is not going to ask you to do anything that will not be good for you. He's not going to ask you to do anything that will not bring him glory in the long run. Again, Peter told us in our last study that we are to be good citizens. That being a good citizen was the will of God. And now he is telling us to put up with the harsh in the workplace for this is commendable. (laughs) This is commendable. This is favorable. This is acceptable in the sight of God that you show compassion to them, that you put up with them. It's not for their sake that you're doing this. Not for your boss's sake. And it's not even for your own sake that you do this. But for the Lord's sake. He is the one that's calling us to do this. Go over to Ephesians chapter 6, if you will. Here's another portion of Scripture that talks about employee-employer relationship. Because that's what he's talking about in 1 Peter chapter 2, employees submitting to their employers. And he says this in chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Bondservants, Paul calls them bondservants here. Bondservants, be, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to the Lord, not with eye service as man-pleasers, 
but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not, and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will, be, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Paul is encouraging the slave here to do his work as unto the Lord. See, if we have that perspective, when, when, when you have to show up to work tomorrow and you're dealing with the harsh people, when, when you have the perspective that you're not doing it for their sake or for your sake, you're doing it for the Lord. Because that is who you serve. Guys, we, we, we are not to be at a job just for the money and think like the, the boss is the one that gives me the, bon, the money. No, when you have the perspective that, that God is the one that provides for you, He just uses the people that you work for to pay, to, to, to take care of you. You see, when, when you have a different perspective, you think, well, I, I could do this. I could do this. I could put up with whatever I have to put up with because it's not because of them. It's because of God that I do it. I'm not doing it for, for eye service. I'm not doing it just, I'm not working hard just when they're looking at me. I'm working hard because I'm working as unto the Lord. See, that should be the mindset that we have as Christians. That we don't work hard just when they're watching us. We work hard because the Lord is our master. We work for Him first and foremost. We shouldn't have the mindset of, I will do the least amount possible for the most amount of pay. That should not be the Christian. We should give our bosses a good, hard day's work because that is what the Lord requires of us. And I'll tell you what, if you decide that that's what you're going to do, I'll tell you who's going to be upset at you. Not your boss. He's going to say, good worker, I like you. It's your co-workers who are going to look at you as like, dude, quit making us look bad. What a great opportunity. What a great open door to share with them what the scriptures say. Guys, I'm not doing this to make you look bad. I'm doing this because I love my Jesus. And I serve my Lord. And this is what he's called me to do. Again, it changes the whole perspective in this employee-employer relationship. All of a sudden, we're doing things not because they're taking care of us. It's because the Lord is the one that takes care of us. The word commendable, if you go back to Peter, we're going to go to Matthew in a little bit, but we're going to go back to Peter. There's two times that he uses the word commendable, one in verse 19 and one in verse 20. For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief. Suffering wrongfully. That word commendable literally means, for this is grace. For this is grace. When you do these things, when you suffer wrongfully and you, you do it with the right attitude, he says, this is grace that you are now showing. What an amazing thing. You, you're, you're, you're showing undeserved favor towards someone that does not deserve favor. <laughs> you see, you're doing it not because you want to show them favor. You, you're doing it because the Lord told you to show them favor. It should be for the Lord's sake that we endure grief and suffer wrongfully. 
that we bear up under overbearing bosses and people in our lives. Because again, in verse 20, it says, For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your fault, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. This is showing grace before God. Again, when, when you do something, uh, uh, something to mess things up at work, and you get chastised for it, it's like, I deserved it. Shouldn't have messed up. But when you're doing good... And they come after you. Or they skip you for a promotion. (laughs) And give it to the next guy. And you're going. And you show grace. That is commendable. That is showing grace. To those people. They don't deserve it. (laughs) But you're showing it to them. Guys this is where growth takes place. This is what it means to go deeper. When you're doing the things that God is telling you to do. When we extend grace to those who don't deserve deserve grace. Going deeper means that you're doing what God would do on a regular basis. You're, you're acknowledging Him in all your ways, so you're doing what He would be doing. Going outside of yourself for the Lord's sake. But you see, this isn't something new that Peter is coming up with here. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Peter had heard this message before. And he's just kind of reiterating it now in, as he's sharing it with these people that he's writing to. Chapter 5 of Matthew, going to the Sermon on the Mount. This is what Jesus said. This is what he taught. He says in verse uh, 10 of chapter 5, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Turn over to verse 38. You have heard it said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you do not turn away. You have heard it said uh, that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. For you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect 
as your Father in heaven is perfect. You see, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the things that we read in the Sermon on the Mount are not... He's not teaching us about doing the great and mighty things in God. He's actually telling us, just do what is humble, the humble things, the practical things, the right things to do. The things that will go against your nature because I've given you a new nature. Do those things and you will do well. And that's what he's asking us to do in First Peter over here, chapter 2. He's asking us to go against the grain. <laughs> I know it's not the easiest thing. You see, this is when you know that you are truly or that God is truly working in your life. That you are growing and going deeper with Him. When you're having to deal with people like this and you're showing them grace and they don't deserve grace. You see, how do you know that if you're, if you're growing impatient, impatience if you don't have people in your life who make you impatient? You have to have those kinds of people in your life. How do you know if you're growing in love if you don't have like unlovable people in your life? That's when you know you're growing, when all of a sudden you're loving people who don't deserve your love. And you're loving on them. See, this is when you know that you're growing in the grace of God when you're showing grace to other people, when you start realizing just how much grace you have received and now you're giving it back out. Going against your own nature. You know, life is truly unfair. And unfair things will happen to believers and unbelievers. But as believers, we are to deal with things and with people differently than unbelievers do. Because Jesus has set that example for us. Again, when we read from verses 21 to the end of the chapter there, he gives us the example of who he is and what he does. And in this first part in verse 21, you should have this underlined. Again, it's the title of this message as it was the title of last message or last week's message. This time it's just part two. For to this you were called, it says. For to this you were called. And I know some would say, you mean to tell me that we have been called to suffer? Not necessarily. We have been called to follow His steps. And you know what? When Jesus suffered, He showed us an example of what it looks like to follow Him in suffering. When, when, when He was out ministering to the people, He set an example of what it looks like to minister to other people. But He has set the example in every way. If we just follow His steps in doing what's right, what's decent all the time, on a regular basis, then when it comes to suffering, He teaches us what it means to suffer and how to go through it. He has set the example for us. He showed grace, Jesus did, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. To those who were going to and did hurt Him. He suffered for doing good. When he hung on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Guys, they had just crucified him. And he showed grace. Lord, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. You see, that's the way we are to follow. <laughs> when people come against us, that we would be able to still bless them. 
He didn't deserve to be treated the way he, he was treated. Yet he still showed grace. He didn't come at them the way he could have. <laughs> Being God in the flesh, man, he could have snuffed them out in a heartbeat. He would have fought it and they would have been vaporized. But he didn't even do that. With all that power, he didn't do that. Let me read to you verse 30, or 23 in the Amplified. When he was reviled and insulted, he did not revile or offer insult in return. When he was abused and suffered, he made no threat of vengeance. But he trusted himself and everything to him who judges fairly. Again, what a great example. You see, the wicked side of me that I still like, oh, see, I, here he says, man, he, he, he didn't, he didn't threaten to, it's like, I want to see some vengeance here. See, my, my evil mind, it's like, there's times, man, people do stuff, it's like, I just want to see some vengeance, Lord. I just want to see it. I want to see how it looks on them. Look at the way they are, man. Just let me see a little bit of it. That make me really happy. That's how wicked I am. See, Jesus wasn't like that. And see, I, I need to follow that example of Jesus that when he, is, when he is reviled and insulted, he doesn't do that in return. Man, I am so sarcastic and stupid. And I could, I could like go back at them. And yet he says, don't do that. Don't threaten violence <laughs> or vengeance. I, I, I like this last part. But he trusted himself in everything to him who judges righteously. He knew, God, I will trust you with everything and I know that you will take care of it. But I could guarantee you that when you start acting like Jesus and walking like Jesus, instead of saying, man, I can't wait till they get theirs. I don't care if it's on judgment day. I hope I get to see it. Don't, I mean, no, if anything, you will be start praying, Lord, change their hearts, Lord. Convict their hearts, Lord. Only because He has shown you so much grace. He has shown me so much grace. Why can't we do that in return? That's what He desires of us. You see, understanding grace is so important if we are to go deep this year. Not just receiving grace, because you need to understand just how much grace you have received. You deserved none of it, and He gave you all of it. So we need to understand what we have received, but we need to understand what it means to give it out as well. To those who don't deserve it. Because that's when grace really begins to shine. When it's upon those who don't deserve it. In an effort to go deep in 2014, we need to grow thereby, as it told us in verse 2. Now, I know that we can grow wide, in a sense. (laughs) No pun intended. We can do so many things. We can do a lot. Oh yeah, look at how busy we are. And don't get me wrong, I do want to grow wide, spiritually speaking. But we need to grow deep first. So that the things that we do as we grow wide have some depth in them. 
Because if they have some depth in them and the things that we want to go do as a church, then they will last. They will bear fruit. Not only personally, but they will grow fruit and last and, and, and bear fruit in our families and in our church and in our community. Peter has been talking about how we are to conduct ourselves in the workplace. And if we are going to go deeper this year, how is that going to translate in your life? As you show up to work tomorrow, how's it going to look different if you truly want to do what God wants you to do? If you truly seek Him for direction and say, Lord, how do I conduct myself? Show me the things that need to change in my life. So that I can show the grace that you've extended to me. How's that going to look at your workplace in a year from now? Just you and you personally. I'm not saying that you should do this so that, oh yeah, I'll get the promotion finally. It's like, no, you just do it because you're serving Jesus. You see, some of you have been praying for the Lord to move you from your place of employment because of the harshness of the conditions. But who's to say that he hasn't left you there for your good or for his glory? You see, it's not that that he wants to remove you. Maybe he wants to keep you there because nobody else is going to show the people grace in that place that you work at except you. And they need to see the grace of God. And they need to see it from you. And that's probably why God says, no, I can't just take you out. I need to keep you there so that they can see me working in you and through you. Guys, it will be for your good. I truly believe that. And it will be for His glory. You see, some of you have been praying the wrong prayer. (laughs) Lord, open up the doors. And He's going... Just pray, just pray that, that, that I would change you. It's like, oh no, I don't, I don't know if I want to pray that. <laughs> I want to use you there. It's like, no, Lord, you want to move me from here. It's like, no, there's so much I want to do in you there. And you're going. <laughs> but sometimes we pray the wrong prayer. And God's going, man, if you just pray the right prayer, you're going to see me work and blow you away. You see, in an effort to grow in the Lord and to go deeper with Him, He will allow harsh people in your life. Because it doesn't matter where you're at in your life, there will always be lessons to learn. And I think we have the tendency to think that God wants to use us to straighten everybody else out. And, and you know, it, and that's why you've been spinning your wheels because God has sent those people to strengthen, straighten you out instead to teach you the lessons. Pushing away from the shore to go deeper into deeper waters will look different for many of you this year. Because you've always had the shore to go back to. You've always had the safety of the shore to go back to, to row back to and, and swim back to if you had to <laughs> because you found safety there. But it, it, that shore has always hindered you from going deeper. It's always hindered you from going too deep. 
And the shore can be a very familiar place for many. It's a comfortable place. It's a place where you can find safety, but I'll guarantee you this, you will never reach your destination standing on the shore. Or you might feel safe, but man, oh man, you're not going to go into the deeper waters. You may have received the grace of God. (laughs) And as I was thinking about this, it's like you've received it in a one-man kayak. Oh, you've gone out into the water, but the shore is like right there. You see, the kayak wasn't made for the deep waters. And you've said, Lord, just give me enough grace to keep me afloat. That's all I need. And it's like, man, you're missing out on the adventures that are out in the deep. So don't get me wrong, you are still in the water. (laughs) And you can be offshore a little bit. But you really don't know what it means to go into the deep waters because you can still see the shore. And I'm telling you today that the grace of God is more like an ocean liner. It thrives in the big, deep ocean. That's where it belongs. It looks weird when it's on, on the shore because it's like so massive. shouldn't be there. <laughs> and I know in some of them, man, they have to be careful because there's rocks and it's not that deep and all that stuff. You see the ocean liner, which is like the massive grace of God that he just wants to pour into you and it's, there's enough for everybody who wants to be out in the, in the deep. Guys, do you want to go out in the deep, man? Because that's where you're going to find the grace of God going out to the deep seeing more of the grace of God because that's where it thrives in the deep waters. Amen? Amen. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Guys, there's going to be people up here that want to pray with you. And maybe some of these things that we've talked about, God has been speaking to you and you need prayer. Come and get prayer for those things. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord God, that just reveals to us the things that we need to learn. Day in and day out, Lord God, you have called us. You've given us your grace, Lord God, and Lord, we gladly receive it, Lord. We thrive on your grace, Lord. But Lord, Lord, you're asking us to give it out now, to give it out to others, Lord, to those who may not deserve it, Lord. And I pray that right now, Lord, you would challenge our hearts. Remind us, Lord God, of how awesome you are. Lord, that we would not hold grace from other people. Lord, I know that many are um, not looking forward to tomorrow going to work because they're having to deal with harsh people and bosses. And I pray that this morning you would capture their hearts and put their hearts in a different perspective, Lord, that they might be praying to be used of you in a powerful way, Lord, to be that light, to show grace upon those who have been mean. (laughs) Use them, Lord God, in a powerful way that they might see you working, working in their lives. And so thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for setting that example for us that we can follow. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, for Jesus. That, Lord, as we draw closer to you, Lord God, we come to that shepherd, we come to that overseer, who wants to protect us, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, for being so good to us. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.